You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Uh, welcome back to another episode of NFT365. We talk a lot on the podcast about the nuances with doing your research to buy an NFT, doing your research to understand the utility, the project. We also talk about the importance and value of launching your own NFT and the different types of NFTs. But you know, I, I put a little uh, survey you know to those that are following me on uh, social. I, you know, I'm I social fans, the letter I social, F-A-N-Z or a Z at the end. I'm I social fans on every single social media channel. So you can reach out to me on any of those channels. But I had posted and you know, was asking for, hey, I'll take suggestions or problems or topics for this week's podcast episodes. Hey, it's my birthday week. I figured, you know, we'll, do, we'll have a little fun with it. And I will say I had an overwhelming amount of people that were like, I want to know more about like, the reselling of NFTs and, and even like some of the nuances and, and, and a couple of people mentioned like they have the tools and then they also understand like the different pieces of the data. And, you know, we've done some past episodes, uh, you know, a couple on OpenSea, a couple about the different secondary markets, but I thought it'd be fun to break down, you know, some of the, um, the things that we just have to look at when it comes to um, the, the secondary market, like, you know, you're buying an NFT, but then you're, you're actually selling it. But before I get there, you know, I think that the other part of this that I just want to, you know, kind of put out there for everyone is, you know, the part of the beautiful thing about ownership in this, you know, digital economy in this Web three world is that, you know, when we own, you know, we own something digitally, right? It is, it is cemented on the blockchain, right? And that is the part of the beauty of this is that a lot of people will look at it and say, well, can I do this? Couldn't I have done this just with like a membership group? Or couldn't I have done this with just, you know, a rewards system like uh, Marriott Rewards or Chipotle Rewards, which I will tell you, I can't believe there's many of you that listen that have never been to Chipotle. So if you're going to come, you know, maybe I'll, I'll see you in New York. I know there's some, we have a team coming to New York. Uh, I mean, I, I actually ordered Chipotle before this episode. Uh, it's going to be delivered here thanks to DoorDash uh, and probably right while the episode's going on. But, um, you know, the Chipotle rewards, like I love their app. I, you know, you'd be able to use their, um, rewards, but you know, I really don't own them. Right. Like, I don't, I'm not able to kind of take them and say, well, I no longer like Chipotle. I like Cafe Rio or I like, um, you know, one of the other Moe's, uh, you know, Mexican or whatever it may be that like ownership, right. That, that idea, but there's also no way to like, can like authentic verification. Right. And so when you think about this, you know, I, I tweet this out a lot. I say the blockchain doesn't lie. What I mean by that is that all of the actions, all of the things that we take, everything that we buy, that we sell, that we mint, that we even put in our hidden wallet, right? Like someone asked me like, oh, Brian, if I hide something on OpenSea, nobody can see that I ever owned it. I'm like, actually, that's not right. I can go onto your Etherscan of your wallet and I can see every transaction, everything that's been entered your wallet, anything that's entered, exited where it came from and where it's going. And so even if you hide it on the marketplace, 
all the marketplace is doing is it's like the it's the it's the front of the house, right? Just because that you you know you put a uh, you know a brick wall in front of one of the doors when you're putting on another garage, um, that door is still there um, behind uh, that brick. Or you know even if you think about it from the standpoint of you know, like we, we, if you think about, uh, you know, eBay or Amazon or, or, you know, any of those that are out there, right? Like part of the marketplace is it, it's a place for you to get a, to like market what people can see that you have in your wallet and what is for sale. But really underneath there, where there's a ledger, there's a record of all of those transactions. Now, the, the kind of cool thing about where we are at today, even compared to when we started this podcast back on November 11th, is that, you know, marketplaces have been evolving, right? OpenSea, uh, you know, for those that are on Ethereum, really controls a majority of the market. Um, Magic Eden is right now like kind of the, um, the poster child for uh, Solana-based NFTs. And there's like kind of, you know, part of the reason I have a struggle with Polygon or Cardano um, NFT, you know, block, or their blockchains and the NFTs that are on those platforms is that the marketplaces have been a little bit convoluted, right? And, you know, Polygon does have um, OpenSea and now OpenSea actually does allow you to see Solana based NFTs there as well. But if we think about it, like from the marketplace, there's, you know, you have OpenSea, you have Looks Rare. Um, you have xy.xyz, um, which is a, you know, a marketplace. And, you know, and then there's you know, even some other ones. I know Genie um, is another one that's out there. And then there's a bunch of tools that you can use, right? You can use uh, Trait Sniper, Rarity, uh, Rarity Tools. You can use IC Tools, which is one I mention a lot here in the podcast. Um, and actually, my current favorite one is actually gem.xyz. Actually, I love gem.xyz for um, assessing like, the current trends in the market. And so with all of that being said, I'm going to talk a little bit um, about this idea and it can be used for your basic resell of an NFT. Like maybe you bought a project in December or January. Um, you loved where it's going, but it's changed its course. And maybe now you're like, you know what? I want to sell this NFT. Or maybe you're like, hey, I see all these free mints going and people are buying and selling them. I want to better understand how to do that. And so one of the things just to remember, and this is something that I, you know, I think is such a, an important component, right? Is that... No matter what you're selling your NFT for, if there is nobody looking to buy it, it does not matter what you price it for. Let me say that again. No matter how rare your NFT is, no matter how perfect the pricing of your NFT is, if there is not an audience that is looking for that NFT at that value and that kind, then it won't matter. And right now, that is the case for 95% of my wallet. I will tell you, I list NFTs for sale every single day. Every single day, I go through my wallet. There's certain ones that I, I have for sale, but I'm not putting them for sale at like the lowest price. I'm putting them for sale of what I believe they're currently valued at. The problem is though, if I go and look at that collection, the last sale was two days ago. What that's really telling me is there's not that much volume of sales. Therefore, how many people are actually even going there and checking what is recently listed? That can be a major problem. And so that, that can be an issue. The other part of it can be if no one's going there to look at it right now and you're like, well, no, I'll just put it for sale for a month. Well, what if that project all of a sudden teams up with Justin Bieber or releases that they're going to drop the metaverse project early and all of a sudden that price shoots up? Well, if you've minted, if you have yours posted for sale so far out, you'll end up probably losing money because all of a sudden the floor will take off and what you thought was a more valuable NFT than the floor price 
will now be just sold to the floor when the floor rises up. And so the, the part that I wanted to kind of really hit home here is that just having the data of like, hey, I know that this that my NFT is rare. I know it has these properties, or maybe you don't even know if it's rare, right? Like I know I have this NFT. I think the art's cool, but I don't even know if I should, you know, what, what should I sell it for? Should I sell it for the, the floor price? Should I sell it for what others are selling ones that look like that? All of those things, like the data that is available to us is great, but data without context are just numbers, right? And so the context is actually the magic, and so when I look at that, the idea of reselling on, uh, on my NFTs on secondary market, and some of them can be ones that I'm flipping, others can be where I bought four or five of the NFTs you know, back in November, and now I'm like, you know what, I want to hold on to one or two of them. I want to get rid of three or four of them, which is right now kind of where I feel I'm at. But if I could give any advice right now is that for the most part, you want to just hold right now, right? We are, we are, not, we are still in the bear market. But when we start to go on that bull run, as people, as you know, crypto prices start to level out, as people start jumping back into a lot of these projects, that might actually be the better time to actually sell. Now, let's face it. The best time to sell is at the top. The worst time to sell is at the bottom or when everything's going down. I've done a lot of buying at the top and selling at the bottom. Yeah, you heard that right. That is not the way that you should do it. And sometimes it's unpredictable. Sometimes you don't, have, you're not, you don't have enough context for the data that you have and you have to go on your gut. And like my gut, I will say my gut has, I, my gut's pretty damn right. But my heart sometimes leads me to buy another NFT that like looks more like me or that has pink or rainbows or, or yellow or it has a, um, an athlete or a girl dad or, or something that I represent. And then I end up making a, a poor decision um, after making some good decisions early on. And I say all of that because... I don't care who they are in this space. Nobody is is a a perfect buying and selling of NFTs. And some NFTs, you probably never will sell because you will get so much value out of it and there won't be that much of a secondary market and that's okay. I mean, I I think we have to hit this home, right? If you buy an NFT for $500 and you're able to get you know, you, you get education, you get to network with people. They give you the, the, uh, access to the video game online. They give you uh, entry point into their metaverse. They're donating to charity and they're doing a meetup at an upcoming event. Don't you think that they've provided you more than the $500 of value originally? So really the idea of selling it there is just more like, Hey, I want to make money because others want to get in or there's, you know, there's actual demand for people to play this game. But I put all of that out there because it's very easy for us to tie our ability to resell an NFT to the, to the, the value that NFT has provided us. And I think that's a mistake. I think that's a massive mistake, because, especially right now. Like if I look at my wallet, there's some projects that are in my wallet that have a 0.005 floor, which is probably means they're worth $14. And I bought them for about $300. One of them I'm thinking about right now off the top of my head. And it's easy for me to be like, man, that project sucks. I bought that in October for $300. It's now worth $15. I'm going to say that that NFT has the value it's provided me is about hmm, $5,000, $8,000 worth of value. So although I can only sell it for $12 or $14 on OpenSea at the moment, 
the value that I've been provided, like this one that I'm specifically thinking about, it is I, I've connected with somebody that I consider a friend now that is a resource of mine in this um, NFT space with someone I'll probably want to do work with in the future for a very long time. It has also given me the opportunity to understand DAOs at a better level, where it's taught me some of the tokenomics that I need to deploy into our project, which I will be able to implement. I also got a speaking opportunity from that um, holding that NFT that they paid me about, you know, they paid me $3,500 to do like a 30 minute uh, presentation to one of the associations associated with um, that NFT project. So from the outside, it looks like I bought something for 300 and sold it for 15. But really, that's not really the, 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 the whole story. On top of that, you will notice that there are massive trends in this space, right? One of the biggest trends is that when a project mints out, right? And right now, the free mint, between the free mint and the reveal, there's often a, a spike in, um, in volume and traffic, and it's oftentimes where you can make some money. Right now, with the free NFTs, you get it for free, you pay for gas. You can probably sell it before reveal for like 0.009 Ethereum, which is probably like $41. But remember, that's $41, but you still have to cover the gas that you bought the free NFT for. So probably you bought the free NFT and it was like you know, $24 or $14 worth uh, of gas. So you can make some of that like incremental, that like little short wins. And that's what some people do that, that are flipping a lot of NFTs. Others buy like three or four of these ones for free and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to hold it and hope I get lucky with one of the super rare um, ones in the collection, right? Where there's a couple, whatever they may be, or I hope it just turns into the next Goblin Town. And if it doesn't, I just throw it away. I will tell you that's what, that's one of the things that I've been doing this past week where, you know, if I'm minting, uh, you know, five of, of a project for like $45, I'm not looking for that to be um, a, a short, like a little return in the short term. I'm hoping that maybe one of them will be a home run. Now that's, that's kind of like a, it's a, it's a gamble, right? So if you're not a gambler, that's not how you should approach this space, but it doesn't mean that only gamblers sell their NFTs. Part of the beauty of this is you can decide when you sell it, how much you sell it for, why you sell it, right? The floor could be 0.25 Ethereum, but you want to sell it for 0.13, you can do it. Now I wouldn't recommend it, because what the floor is telling us is that is the most recent sale of an NFT in that collection, right? So that right now, that's the lowest that people are, are kind of valuing or, or the entry point that exists. Now, some people might be like, well, Brian, that's why there's rarities and there's, um, there's different ones. Like, isn't that make the things um, more valuable? And in, in, in some projects, it does. In other projects, a certain trait or a certain style or a certain look might actually be the most valuable, but it's not doesn't have to be the most rare, right? And so I, I use the Lazy Lions as a great example of that, right? The Lazy Lions um, is a project that you know I proudly hold. We're going to have the founder um, Asher on the podcast here uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be hanging out with them in New York, but you know, they're, within their project, you know, some of their rarest traits are not the ones that sell for the most. There was actually a faction, a group of people that have come together, you know, led by, there's a whole group of them that, you know, we become friends with. Uh, I don't currently hold, but they have what they call the lazy hats. And so the lazy hats, which is a hat that has like flipped up that says the word lazy on it. They've created kind of their own little community within the lazy lions community that they, you know, they call them the lazy hats, right? And they have their own Twitter account. They do their own Twitter spaces. But because there's, there's, they, there's about 180 or 200 and some of those hats, there's other traits that there's only 50 of. 
But because people want to be a part of this like tight knit community, the floor price of that trait is actually much higher, right? It's four and a half ETH right now, where the floor of the entire collection, I believe, is just under two ETH. No, actually, just under one ETH. So the floor of the collection is like 0.6, yet the floor of the lazy hats is 0.45. Now, you might be wondering, well, how do I know what the floor of the lazy hats is? Well, there's lots of tools that can do that, but tools being used by people that don't know how to use the tools turn you into a tool. <laughs> a little bit of, you know, uh, I, and I've said that for a long while, like, I don't think automation is bad. I think most people that set up automation do it badly. But with that being said, you can actually just use OpenSea. You don't even need a tool. What you can do is you can go into uh, your project, right? Go to the official links, click on the collection, open up the collection. And along the left-hand side, as long as the, the project is, is fully, the metadata has fully been updated, you're going to see a list of all of the properties. So you'll see like head or hand, um, and you'll see a lot of these descriptions. And then you can open that up. And then next to each one of the traits will actually be the number of how many of those are in this collection. And you can scroll down and then you can click on it, right? So you could scroll into Lazy Lions, click on, you know, head, I think it's headwear is the name of it, and then click on Lazy Hats. And what it's going to do is it's going to show you right then all of the Lazy Hats that are in OpenSea for this project. Now you can hit the Buy Now button so it'll sort and say, only show me the NFTs that are a lazy lion, that have a lazy hat, that are currently listed for sale. Whatever the lowest one, price one, that is currently listed, that is the floor price, right? The floor price is the current listed, lowest listed price for that collection. So you, if you did that with the lazy hats right now, I believe it'd be 4.5, right? I think they, there's only a five for sale out of the total. Um, and 4.5 Ethereum, I think, is the cheapest one you can buy it right now. So that's pretty neat, right? But here's the thing about that, that most people immediately go, oh, well, if I go in and find one of my properties in my collection and I notice that there's, there's only one for sale and it's for five ETH, that means my, my NFT is worth five ETH. Nah, not necessarily. The reason I say that is, is if people don't value that trait or they're not going and specifically looking for that trait, it doesn't matter what the floor is of that trait. If no one's looking for that trait, then they're going to evaluate your NFT by whatever the heck they decide to evaluate it from. So like for me, when I look at a lot of collections, you know, I like to wear pink and I like to wear black and gold. I'm from Pittsburgh, right? Um, if I go into a collection and I see they have, you know, a rainbow colored skin or a rainbow book bag or uh, a black and yellow hat or a black and yellow shirt, I personally value that more because I want to buy the NFT that like, represents me. But that doesn't mean that that trait is rare or that, I, that most people will be willing to spend more money for that. Now, even before you even get to this, it's important to think about the volume of transactions. Right? I mentioned that before, right? If there hasn't been a sale in a couple of days, how do you even know if someone's going to be there to look for that product, right? So one of the things that you're just going to have to, to start to look for is you're going to want to look at the trends, right? So on OpenSea, you can look at stats and you can sort by, in the last 24 hours, what are the projects that have the most volume? You can also look at, you can sort uh, in OpenSea under stats, what are they, what, in the last 24 hours, what is the greatest, the projects that have the greatest percentage 
of change of floor price. So that's actually like the 24% sign. If you click and sort by that, it's going to show you in the last 24 hours, these projects have grown this percentage by. Of course, you can click on it twice and it'll show you the ones that have lost the most percentage, right? So this is all different ways to view a lot of that same data. The other thing that OpenSea did that I think is really nice that you can use is you can use a watch list. So if you're in some projects, you should click the little the little uh, star button. So go to the like if let's say you're going let's say you're in um, I'm gonna throw out a uh, let's say you're in uh, the Bubblegum Kids. If you go to the Bubblegum Kids collection, the main page. There'll be a star over where like their social icons are. If you click that, it'll add it to your weight, your watch list of that wallet, of that MetaMask wallet. What's neat about that is you can actually go into your watch list in OpenSea and you can sort by those same categories that you would, but on the stats page, but you're sorting and comparing them by only the ones that you're, that you are currently watching. So I will tell you in certain wallets, I watch only the projects that I hold. In other wallets, I watch certain projects that I want to keep an eye on to decide if I want to buy in on. So there's you know, one of my wallets that I have. Anytime I go on OpenSea, I go to the watch list. And, and all of the projects that are in my watch list there are ones that I've thought about jumping into, but I haven't. And what I usually do is I sort by which one has lost the most percentage of floor price. Because if I know it's going down and I've already researched to believe it's a good project that I want to get into, I want to I jump into it when the, price, the floor is going down. So hopefully I get it at the bottom and it comes back up because I researched the project. In other cases, you can just use the watch list for um, the projects that you hold, right? And so when you log into OpenSea, you can just go to the watch list and you're like, wow, there wasn't much volume of trade in the last 24 hours, in the last seven days. Probably not a great time for me to sell. The other part of this is like, okay, well, how do I price it now, right? Like, so like maybe you know what the floor price is and then maybe you've seen, you know, like, you're like, well, but I want to know what people would pay for mine. Well, one of the best ways to do that is going into your activity log or you can use one of these tool, tools. Like Trade Sniper does this very, um, very nicely. Uh, I told you that my favorite currently right now is gem.xyz. What you can do is you can pull up the collection and then you can say, what are the most recent sales of that collection, right? Trade Sniper does this really, really well, but you could also just do this on OpenSea um, uh, as well, right? You can, you can go into the collection. So like, let's say you click on um, Bulls and Apes, which is a project that, you know, it, the reveal happened yesterday and a big shout out to the team. Uh, they were on our podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I love the way they're using tokenomics. Uh, the, the art is world-class. If you go look at my Twitter uh, right now, I can guarantee you that I have one of my bulls um, as my profile photo just because the art is so great. Um, and they're doing really cool things with staking and, and tokenomics and, and the way they're going to allow you to kind of uh, grow with the community. And remember, they're also the project that had the six-month uh, money-back guarantee. Uh, and I didn't get paid for any of that. I, I bought my, um, my uh, NFTs off the... Uh, I minted them just like everyone else. I was on the whitelist and minted them just like everyone else did. But um, let's, let's, say you wanna, let's say you go to that project, right? And you go on OpenSea and you go to their OpenSea main page. You can click on the left and click on activity. And what activity... You have the options to filter by activity by listings, activity by sales, activity by transfers... But you can actually click on, like, I just want to see the most recent sales of the NFTs that are in that collection. And then it's going to show you this list, and it's going to show you um, what the art was. It's going to show you how much they sold it for. And it's going to show you who owned it and who they sold it to. 
Now, this is where things can get a very a little bit interesting, right? Because sometimes you can see a lot of volume of sales, but what you have to look for is, are there a lot of different people buying them or just the same couple wallets buying them, right? Sometimes whales or those that are heavy into a project, they will pick up a bunch on the floor and it will give you this illusion of, oh my goodness, the project has a lot of volume, things are taking off. But really, they're just trying to scrape up the floor to keep the floor price higher, or maybe they're just looking for certain traits. So what I often try to do is I try to study, okay, what, what is currently selling? And are they selling at the floor price? Or are they selling at the average sale price? Or are they selling um, um, at like the trait level price? And sometimes you won't even know. You're like, this doesn't make sense. And then usually what I do is I'll jump to Twitter. And I'll go through like the mentions or I'll use advanced search on Twitter and I'll take the name of the project and I'll put it into uh, Twitter advanced search and say, show me all of the tweets that had were about this project that maybe didn't mention the actual Twitter handle, but we're talking about this project and I'll see if there's people maybe talking about what, you know, maybe it was a celebrity that, you know, I remember this happened with the in-betweeners, right? When, when Justin Bieber reposted that he had um, the, the, his favorite NFT and in the in-betweeners was the one that had like the drawn white t-shirt on. All of a sudden, any of the any of the NFTs with that white t-shirt in the in-betweener bears, all of a sudden the the those sold like hotcakes. But yet ones that were super rare were not selling at all. And if you just looked at the at the data, you'd be like, hey, there's a lot of volume. I have a really rare NFT. And then you'd post it for sale and you're like, why is it not selling? And you might just keep dropping the price and then sell sell it, end up being close to the floor. And you're like, well, there was a lot of volume, but people, apparently people don't value this rarity. But that actually might not be the case. They might be the fact that people were just willing to buy and pay more because they wanted the one that you know Justin Bieber had because they believe that either they want it because Justin has it or they believe down the road it'll be more valuable because it's the one that Justin's wearing um, on his Instagram account or whatever it may be. And so when you think about all of those things, well, now you have to realize well, maybe it, my, my project or the one I hold is actually is, is good and the rarity is good, but people aren't valuing that now. And so usually what then you have to decide is how much do I want to sell this immediately versus how much do I want to wait and see if, it, if people value it. Now, this is where you can make a lot of mistakes and some, you know, some decisions you can make that are really good is you can be like, you know what? The floor price is pretty high right now, but people aren't valuing my rarity. So I'm not going to post mine for sale. I'm going to wait a little bit. Well, all of a sudden the floor price goes to, starts to go down and you realize nobody's buying anything above the floor. And your only hope to get money back on this project is to sell your very rare one that previously you probably could have sold four times the floor price. Well, now that it's dipping and people are selling, there's a likelihood that you're going to have to sell that rare one for just the floor price that maybe is now 10 times lower than what you could have sold it before. So I'm not here to give you financial advice. Of course, you have to do your own damn research. But like buying at the top, like that's there's that's a hard game to play, right? And there are some like advanced theories that people use as far as they they when they look at like the volume of trade and individual users, they want to know, you know, is the number of individual users going up? If so, that's going to tell us one thing, right? If all of a sudden the floor price is going up, but the number of individual holders is going down, that you know, tells us that a lot of people love the project and they're willing to buy ones from people that, that only held one or only held a couple. The other thing you want to look at is that, you know, some of the, the, the trends are very Twitter driven. And what I mean by that is Twitter can pump them up 
But then Twitter moves on to the next trending topic. And that very easily can then dissipate, right? Because if let's say this weekend, you were you know into NFTs this weekend, there were some projects this weekend that everyone on Twitter was talking about. Well, all of a sudden, the floor price of them got up pretty high. And so if you went and looked at the secondary sales, you're like, hey, there's a lot of sales in the last couple of days. The floor price has been on a trending up and individual holders are where I'm comfortable. You might believe, okay, well, right now is actually a good time to get in because it's still tre- you know, there's still been a lot of sales. But if that buzz on Twitter had died down and people aren't continuing to value that in the Discord or those that are holding it, all of a sudden people can be like, oh, why do I even have why did I have this NFT? Oh, and I bought it this weekend and it was really cheap. And the floor price is pretty high right now. And I don't even remember why I cared about it because something on Twitter. They're going to sell that right then. And all of a sudden, that's where you can get caught, right? You can get caught where you buy into a project just based on simply the data. Hey, the volume's going up, the floor price is going up, and you buy in because you, can, you believe it's going to continue. But you don't understand what caused, and that's the hardest part, right? Like, what caused that floor price or that average sale or that you know, volume of traffic to increase? And then what is the likelihood that it will continue? What is the likelihood that maybe it brought new people in that are going to value the whole project and they're just going to hold, right? So then you're going to look at what are the total want number of ones that are for sale right now, right? So if there's not very many listed for sale, it might be a low floor price, but because there's low supply, low supply then the demand doesn't have to actually be high. Demand can be actually average if the supply is shrunk, which is why some projects do, uh, you know, they do staking, right? The reason they do staking is because they tell you, hey, if you promise to keep this in your wallet for 30 days, to lock this into our contract for 30 days, then we are going to reward you. Well, the reason they want that is because if they lock a percentage of these NFTs into a staking contract, now there's those that are staked can't be listed for sale, and now if there's less for sale, now with they don't have to worry about increasing demand. They just shrunk supply. And so now that same demand is going to be looking at a smaller supply, which means the value of the price of those should go up in price. Now, let's also be aware that if all of a sudden people get to the 30-day staking mark and they're like, hey, I got my benefit. I'm ready to dump this NFT. Sometimes you can be riding high, riding high, and out of nowhere it feels that the price goes down and all of a sudden you can't resell it for the price that you wanted. But it was because people were kind of like either locked in or convinced or they were forced or they are peer pressured into um, not posting it for sale for a certain amount of days or whatever that may be. And so I know this can sound a little bit overwhelming, a little bit confusing. And part of it is, is that it does require work. It requires a lot of listening, a lot, you know, I go into a lot of Twitter spaces and I'm just listening for what people are talking about that project. Like, what are, the, what are the things that they value? Oh, they value the, this background color because it, it shows up so well in the physical art that they're going to be deploying in the next utility. Well, when I go and look at the floor, if I'm going to buy one of those NFTs, I'm going to go look for that one that has the colors of the ones that people are going to probably see the most um, you know, when people buy the, one of the utility parts of it, right? And how did I learn that? I was in a Twitter space, right? Or I, I, I went into the research into their Discord. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, they will just, someone will say, hey, you should be into BFFs, right? Which is a great project. And so they'll be like, hey, I know there's this project called UBFF, which is the PFP project for um, the BFF bracelet holders. And you'll be like, you know what? I heard that project's great. 
and you're going to go look at the art and you're like, okay, I see these ones are rare and I see this is the floor price. You know, which one should I buy? Because I want to know, you know, maybe you want to, you, maybe you want to buy it, but you're also like, I want to buy the one that might have the highest probability of resale. Well, the way that I like to do that is like, all right, well, I want to go look on Twitter at everyone that is holding a BFF and see what are their profile photos, right? Because if majority of people uh, the ones that are posting it as their profile photo have the rainbow background versus a steady, you know, singular color background. Well, maybe that's because that's what more people are going to see and they're going to relate that with the project. Maybe it's going to be more valuable or maybe it's going to be less value because people are like, well, I don't want to blend in with everybody because everybody has a rainbow background. I want to do the, the, the peach background. All of these things are like the, you know, art is in, you know, the, the, the value of the art is in the eye of the, the beholder. But these are things that you just kind of have to calculate. And so one of the things that I like to do is I like to put mine for sale on OpenSea specifically, what I'm talking about, for a short period of time based on a couple trends that I see. And so I will see, I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of volume on this one. And people seem to be liking the ones that are a little bit more rare. So I'm going to list mine for sale, maybe a little bit less than I would have traditionally. But because I see the volume is there, I want to try to capitalize on that. But I don't want to sell it at that price for the long term because I think if I'm willing to hold it, it's going to be worth more money. So what I'll actually do is I'll list it for two hours. And so for, it'll be for sale for two hours. And if nobody buys it in the two hours, I'm like, okay, I'll wait a week or two weeks. I'll check back in. And maybe all of a sudden the project is now getting some additional momentum. And now I'll list it at the price that I think that it's been worth the whole time. The caveat to this is to remember the first time that you list any collection, any collection on a secondary market, you're going to pay like an initial listing fee, but it doesn't matter how many times you list or unlist. Or if you like, I will tell you, there's a couple NFTs right now that I hold that I'm listing them for 12 hours for sale every 12 hours. And I've been doing it for five or six days because a, I want it to pop to the top of the list of recent listings. B, I believe this is the value of the project. But C, I also know that if that that maybe the project has a Discord bot and every time something's listed, it's pushed to their Discord. Well, now people are going to be aware of this project being sold. There's there's actually one that I held and I actually posted it for 30 days for sale a while ago. And I went and looked at the sales um, traffic because I was mad that mine didn't sell. And I noticed there was a bunch of people that had a less rare one, but very similar traits than mine that were selling. I'm like, what's wrong with mine? But when I went and looked, I also noticed they all listed them for sale on the same day. So all of a sudden on that day, a bunch of people saw these same ones that were listed because they click on the recently listed filter button and they just bought the ones because like, oh, these are recently listed. I love those properties. They're going to buy it. Because I listed mine three weeks before that, mine doesn't even show on that list of recently listed. And so here's the caveat that I want to leave you with on this episode, is that not only is it important to, have, to know your data and have your own context, but here's the magic. Are you guys ready for this? I hope you're ready. It's also extremely important to know what is the data and tools that the those that are looking to buy are using what i mean by that is i'm a perfect example so yesterday someone um i i you know i minted a bunch with bulls and apes i sold a couple of mine early on because i wanted to get a different art i love you know, the art is amazing but the two i got I was like oh i'm gonna flip those i'm gonna i'm gonna flip them for a certain amount and then i'm gonna use that to buy one of the ones that i really like 
Well, one of the things I noticed was a majority of the people in that project were just using OpenSea because um, the, the, the art had just released. And so they were just going through the traits and like picking out their favorite traits and seeing what was there on OpenSea. Well, I was using a tool called gem.xyz that was actually giving me the ranking, what ranked rarity these were. And so I put on my screen, okay, I wanna, I'd be willing to pay 0.5 Ethereum and I want to know what is for sale under 0.5 Ethereum and list it by the most rare ones. And I just left that on my screen. And I was like, you know what? If one pops up in the top two rows, and that means it's the top two rarities available, then I'm going to probably buy it. Well, what happened was someone actually bought and sold this one twice before I even saw it, was that there was one of the, the so in that collection, there's 10 um, 10 uh, segments in that collection that the horns are made of different countries uh, flags and so each country there's five of them for each well that makes them extremely rare because there's only five USA horns there's only five Mexico horns and in this case there's only five Pakistan flag horns and so what I saw was this NFT that happens to be 134th ranked um, NFT as rarity because there's not very many of that. And based on the traits on top of that super rare trait, it popped up and said it was actually priced on the floor, right? Like a little bit above the floor. So I immediately clicked buy OpenSea, buy, and I bought it. And I was like, oh my goodness, I bought this. Now, the reason that I did all of that is because I knew that if someone looked at that bull and they were like, oh my goodness, it's just a, it's the blue fur and it has these like unique horns. But like I look at all these other ones that just have individual fur and they're what we could we call them the naked bulls. I'm looking at all these naked bulls at the floor price. It's probably only worth the floor price, right? And and there's nothing wrong with them assuming that. But they didn't know that that was a rare trait. So here's the other part of this. Not only do you have to know what tools someone's using, right? If, if people that are buying and selling right now in that moment are only using OpenSea and they're not using some of the rarity tools, okay, now rarity can matter. The other thing is a lot of people don't know the nuances of a project, right? So Bulls and Apes is another one. In Bulls and Apes, you have to have two of a certain uh, compass direction, uh, which is like I like to call it, um, to actually make like a teenage bull of what they're doing, right? So you have to have two norths or two souths or two easts or two wests. Well, what they don't recognize, most people, that if you don't know that, what you can sort by is, I, and this was something I was doing today, was I was sorting by what is the least of those compass directions that are currently available for sale, right? And if all of a sudden I start buying up some of the ones, so if all of a sudden I start buying West NFTs, because there's not many people that have listed West NFTs, if someone is jumping on OpenSea and they, the only thing they know is that they have a West and they need a West one and they need to get it early, they will go on there and, and search for those. But for a lot of people, they'll be like, oh, mine's not very rare. And they don't really care about the compass because they don't know that it has value. And so they just list it based on the rarity of that individual one. But you actually have to look at the entire collection and how people might even value that collection. And guess what? That's a lot of work. And I will tell you, I, for a lot of the projects that I list and that I've been selling, and you can look at my wallets, my wallets are very public. Um, what I will end up doing is I will go through, if I haven't been active in the Discord, I'll go through the Discord and look at their announcements, look at their trends. I'm like, oh, interesting. They had merch come out and the merch had was all white shirts with the, the writing of the brand on it. Well, there was a lot of those NFTs that had white shirts with the branding and people bought them like crazy. But you know what? There's a black shirt 
with the same branding on it. And I bet you the next merch drop is probably going to have that black one. So maybe I should go buy a couple of these black ones. And then I need to put like a date on my calendar. So like I will go on my, if you look at my calendar on my computer, I actually have certain dates on my computer that I always say like check back in on crypto chicks or check back in on um, OOX apes, whatever that project may be. So I can kind of check back in on that because I remembered I bought this NFT because this utility might make this version of the youth of this NFT more valuable. And I'm gonna be able to make some more money. Hey, and there's also people that just buy, they wait till the floor price goes up some and they sell it for more than they bought it for. And that's a way to make this work as well. So I know that's a little bit along of an episode, but I wanted to really deep dive into OpenSea, into the reselling. Uh, hopefully that was valuable for everybody there. Um, you know, I will say we talk a lot about this um, in our Discord, so you can jump over to our Discord we, where uh, people often ask, hey, Brian, I see that um, this project's trending. What do you think I should sell this one for? And I will often click on it and I'll just give an estimate, right? And just, my guess is just like everyone else's guess. But um, you know, I think that's kind of the beauty of this space. And lastly, like, you'll start to see some of the trends as well. They'll become more evident where now I don't have to go as deep to figure out some of the trends. And I will also look at outside trends. Like how many, how many events are sponsoring NFT NYC coming up? What events are sponsoring? Okay, if they're sponsoring this, I did this at VCon, right? I went and bought a couple projects. Uh, Women and Weapons was one of them. That I bought a- another one of them before VCon because I knew they had an activation at VCon. And all of these new eyeballs were going to be on this great project with great art and a great team. And I bet you that's going to increase the value. Now, for people that didn't know they were doing that at NFT NYC, they didn't realize they should probably raise the price of their NFT that they're selling because people are going to want to buy it coming off of NFT NYC. And so all of those things kind of come into play. So, I mean, you can, it can be like poker. It can be like roulette or craps, but it also can be in the sense of like, hey, I got value out of this. And if I get anything in return on top of the value that I've already received, you know, it's a win-win. Hey, and other, other cases, and, and I like to do this as well. Sometimes I get value out of a project, but I just can't be active to consume the utility. So I'll transfer it to friends or people on our team. You know, many people on my team, many friends of mine, you know, they have three or four NFTs in their wallet that were mine. And I bought them. I got some value out of them. I said, you know what? Hey, I know you want to get to know this more. You might have more time in the Discord. Here, I'm going to transfer you this NFT. I hope you go enjoy it. Have some fun with it. You know, when you're done with it, flip it or, or transfer it to somebody else. So there's all of those options at our disposal. It's part of the beauty of the space. But I will say, if you're listening to this right now, right now is the best time to study probably not the best time to sell because everything is really low and the volume is low. Traffic is low. I mean, look at open seas numbers. They're extremely low at the moment, but if you learn now all of these nuances, the tools, and you set yourself up to understand some of the trends, when the market starts to take back off, then it'll be a great chance for you to sell. Maybe some of the ones that you already have in your bag or maybe buy some as they're going up and sell them as they get a little higher. As always, my friends, this podcast is super powered by the ADHD coin over on Rally. Check us out. Just go to ADHDcoin.com in your browser, or you can just go to rally.io and search ADHD coin. You can check out our coin. We're almost at 1,800 supporters there of the coin uh, with over 150,000 coins uh, in circulation, which we are very proud of. So until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. This show is not financial advice, so do your own 